The Light FM presents Community Spotlight, a program designed to focus on what's important to you in your community. Now here's Braxton with today's Community Spotlight. More than likely you've heard of a foster care or a group home. Well, have you heard of a foster community? That's what we're talking about today, fittingly on Community Spotlight. Glad you're here. I'm Braxton Critcher today talking to Chris Jernigan, the Executive Director of South Mountain Children and Family Services in Morganton, North Carolina, where they have a foster community. We'll talk to Chris about that and so much more. Chris, thanks so much for being here. We appreciate you. We appreciate your ministry and also all the other things you do. You're a community advocate, a leader, very involved in the place that you live. Um, So tell me this. So uh, you've been at South Mountain since 1990, executive director since 2003. So obviously you have a heart for kids. That is clear. But where does that come from? Has it been something that's developed and grown over time or have, have you had that since you were a child? I, I think it's grown over time. Uh, and first of all, let me say thanks for having me here today. It's, a, it's just a privilege to be on, on your show and to be able to talk about the work that we do and uh, how God has blessed us over the last 100 and I think what's 117 years now. Um, Long time, but I, either way. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, <clears throat> I, I think it goes back to my childhood when I uh, vacationed at Lake Waccamaw with my family for years. And we, we rented a little place beside a man who had started a children's home there, boys and girls homes. And uh, I began to, to know that there were places for kids that uh, had no home. Most, I think back in that day, probably more orphanages, orphans than, than abused children like we care for today. But mm-hmm. um, I think it started there. I began to, to see that there was a need for a place like that and that there were kids out there who were less fortunate than me. And I think just over the years, it just grew. Yeah. Something else that's grown is South Mountain Children and Family Services, especially since you've, you've came there. Uh, describe the foster community. It's a hybrid system. People can learn more online, southmountain.org. But it's very different from any other foster care that you'll find. Describe that foster community. It is very different. It, it came out of an idea. There's always been an argument whether foster care or group care was better for kids. And they both have great aspects, but they also have downfalls. And there's a big push, especially right now, there's a huge push from the federal government to reduce group homes. And, um, and, you know, group homes have a lot of kids living in, in bigger home, bigger dormitories, that kind of stuff. They usually have shift workers. They have either folks who work so many days on and so many days off. And we used to do that as well. Um, or they have hourly shifts. And so there's not that chance to really build those good relationships with kids. Right. And that's been, I think the biggest pushback against group care. Um, but it offers, you know, good clinical service and recreation and uh, lots of support for the folks. And then on the other hand, you've got family foster care that has that stability. A child moves in with one family and they're just there with that family for a long period of time, but they don't have that level of support. They, mm-hmm. they don't necessarily have somebody who can come to their aid immediately. Their next door neighbor really isn't trained to deal with foster kids or yeah. uh, with some of the situations. And so, in, a, in an ongoing argument of, of which is better, which is better, I just decided, why can't we combine the two and, yeah. and make one better? Yeah. And so we had already built these new homes uh, back in the early 90s, uh, right after I came and worked for a great, great gentleman, Doug McConnell, 
Um, and he and I together decided to, to get out of the old rock building that we had been in since the early 30s and build these new homes. Um, and so when we decided to do this, what we did was instead of hiring shift workers, we just hire a couple to live in the home full time, just like a foster parent. So there's no shifts. There's no time off. Um, they get paid more than typical foster parents because they have to provide uh, for about five kids and uh, they provide for the needs of the kids out of their salary, just like a foster parent does. Mm -hmm. But a foster parent, you know, they make, they make a nominal amount in the community and they have to work other jobs. And with us, our parents can work with us full time so they can put all of their energy and time into helping these kids move forward and raise these kids. So, and then you've got the other aspects that group care brings. We have, we have clinicians that are uh, working with those kids and are on call 24 seven. We've got um, a recreation staff that provides fabulous recreation opportunities. We have, a, we have an Alpine climbing tower. We have a little uh, Honda mini bike program and we got all these great things that we can do. God, it, it really is the best of both worlds. It's, uh, it really is. It, it's, so. That's awesome. I love the way that those those two things work together to, to bring the best out of those kids. And a lot of the kids that you care for are those who have gone through a traumatic experience. And by the way, we're talking to Chris Jernigan. He is the executive director for South Mountain Children and Family Services. And so those those kids that go through a traumatic experience, they come into your care. What are the next steps? What happens next? Well, it, you're right. Most of the kids who come into our care at the foster community have gone through horrific tra uh, traumatic experiences. Right. And when they come into our care there, um, we're going to start a, a healing process. First of all, we're going to do an assessment to, to determine the amount of trauma that they've suffered. And from that, we're going to provide mental health treatment, most specifically trauma-focused cognitive behavioral therapy. It's kind of the gold standard for working with kids with trauma. And it's been proven uh, through evidence that a child uh, who suffers these trauma symptoms can reduce those symptoms by as much as 80% in, say, 25, 28 sessions. Mm -hmm. So it's not an ongoing forever kind of thing. They move through it, and they're given a lot of tools to deal with that. At the same time, we work with their family, if there is a biological family that we can work with, uh, or an adoptive family, to help them understand the trauma that that child has been through as well and right. what's going to trigger behavior problems, what's going to trigger um, episodes that they're going to have to deal with. Um, we uh, also are beginning a very new program. Uh, as I mentioned, we want to get kids back home to their biological family. If, if they have a family we can work with and we're starting a new program, we're calling journeys home. And the whole idea is that when a kid does come into care with us, we're going to start immediately working with that family. Hmm. And we're going to use not only the TFCBT that we've talked about, but we're also going to use uh, family-centered therapy, uh, another evidence-based model. And we're going to work with that family and try to help them overcome their barriers. And then the unique part of what we're going to do is that we're not going to just get them back home and work with them for a few months and stop. We're going to stay committed to that family mm. for up to two years. That's good. Because we know it falls apart. We know that, that those trauma triggers create other episodes and they need somebody they can call in that crisis moment. And so we're going to stay with them over this long, long period of time, intensive in-home to begin with very intensively, uh, you know, two, three days a week. And then that tapers off uh, until, you know, we're, we're just kind of on call for them over the next few years. 
Okay, here's a scenario. There's a parent who has a child going through a traumatic experience or has just gone through one. What would you do? What would you say to that parent? What advice would you give of how to handle that situation? What parents need to do is, first of all, listen to your children and believe them. No matter how crazy it may sound, no matter how much you you love that relative or that neighbor or whomever that child says, this has happened to me, believe that child Mm -hmm. and call the authorities. And then when you do that, uh, you can open those doors that need to take place for, for folks to get involved and find out what really has happened and find out how we keep that child safe. And that's where the children's advocacy centers come in. Instead of that child having to be interviewed separately by department of social services, by law enforcement, by the DA's office, all these different people doing separate uh, investigations, we bring them all together. And we're kind of a tool for all of them to use. So we have highly trained forensic interviewers and medical staff. So they'll do the interview and the medical exam of the child and help determine what has truly happened. And then we coordinate a discussion of those team members from all those different agencies that are involved in child abuse investigation in our community. Uh, Every week they meet together and talk about all these open cases not, to, not only to figure out what we need to do to stop the abuse and prosecute whomever is hurting children, but also to find out what needs the child and family have now. Mm-hmm. And that's where the trauma piece really comes in. I mentioned trauma-focused cognitive behavioral therapy. We provide that therapy and some other therapies, evidence-based therapies as well, but primarily TFCBT in all of our children's advocacy centers. Um, and so that child can, again, begin to work through that trauma and try to figure out how to get their life back to as normal as it can be yeah. um, and work with the family as well. And by the way, we, we opened our first uh, children's advocacy center here in Burke County 22 years ago, and that has now grown to 10 children's advocacy centers across the state of North Carolina. We are opening our newest one in uh, Craven and Pamlico counties in Newburn, and, and another one that we're opening at the same time in uh, Moorhead City to cover Carteret County. Talking with Chris Jernigan from South Mountain Child and Family Services. And Chris, you you just talked about it. You've uh, celebrated your 31st year there. Um, And with that length of time, you've seen a lot. Good things, bad things, ups and downs. Um, Wondering if you could share a story of something that kind of exemplifies what South Mountain really is at the core. If somebody was to ask you what you do, you know, what story might you share with them? Wow, there's so many truly successful stories to share. Um, When I think about the foster community, I think about kids that I've known that have, that I've worked with there that now have gone on and uh, been very successful. Some going to college masters, uh, got master's degrees. uh, Some have raised their own children. Uh, One in particular, if you want one story in particular, there's a, a young lady that that was in care when I was uh, working directly on the campus more often than I am now, of course. Um, And she has now grown up. uh, She has completed her master's in nursing and is a nurse practitioner with a hospital in Catawba County. She has adopted a child of her own uh, and actually serves on our board of trustees. Wow. So that's a, that's, that's, I think the best foster community. Uh, success story that comes to mind immediately. And as far as children's advocacy centers and trauma-based treatment, 
um, just to be able to see some of the kids that that have come to us so shattered and so abused Mm -hmm. and get through that process and be able to see them manage and, and, you know, uh, through treatment, be able to feel healed and whole and like they are going to be able to survive and make it through life. Yeah. No, it's it's a testament to what you're doing. If somebody can get through uh, what they've gone through and then come back and want to serve and be a part of what helped them. That's a testament to, to exactly what's going on at South Mountain Child and Family Services. And if you're listening and want to learn more, of course, southmountain.org is their website. Um, for more info, too, Chris, where should folks go if they, they want to you know, lend a hand, if they want to be a family that can help there on campus, or maybe they even want to donate or, or pray or whatever else is on their heart? Where can they go to learn more? Well, you did mention the website, and that truly is our best tool, uh, and we're we're working on it to make it even better right now. But there are two great videos on there, one about seven minutes that, that explains that foster community. Okay. Another one, you got to dig a little deeper to find it, but it explains the Children's Advocacy Centers. And so other than that, um, you know, my, my cell phone is always available, 828-403-0862. I take calls and talk to folks all the time. Um, you know, volunteering is, is not as easy as some people would think it is, um, because we have to treat every volunteer just like an employee. So we spend a lot of time and energy and money to do background investigations, fingerprint checks, all the things we have to do. Sure. And then, um, you know, sometimes folks don't have the time to be as committed as what we need them to be. Cause when you decide you want to volunteer and get involved in a child's life, you need to be there mm-hmm. for that child. Yeah. And it takes a lot of time and energy, um, we definitely covet prayer support. Um, God has been good to South Mountain. And uh, I love to say that he takes care of South Mountain no matter what I do. Um, he has led us through um, all of the changes and these amazing programs that have come almost out of the clear blue uh, just by being able to listen to him and see where we need to go. And and uh, and I try not to get in his way. Mm. <laughs> I try try to uh, do what we need to do. Use I've, me I've despite watched, me, Lord. <laughs> that's it, that's it. Yeah. I've watched for years the miracles that take place when when funding gets cut in one area and and it comes from another area, or when uh, when you know when we think, oh Lord, what are we going to do? And boom, there's mm. the answer. So yeah. prayer support um, and of course financial support, Brian. We we need donations. Uh, you can make donations through the website. You can send them to P.O. Box 3387, Morganton, North Carolina, 28680. Um, But we desperately crave folks to support us financially because it is an expensive business to run. We have about a $6 million budget. Very fortunate that we get a lot of government funding, government grants, and and, uh, rates that help pay for the the children to be in care. Um, But there's always a need for the financial support. And again, you can find more about South Mountain Children and Family Services and all the work that Chris and his team do at southmountain.org. Well, next week, we're going to speak with a couple of dancers on Community Spotlight, King David Christian Conservatory in Charlotte, North Carolina, about what they are doing for kids and families in their area to educate and teach dance and music in a unique and faith-building way. That's next time. We'll see you then. 
We hope you enjoyed today's Community Spotlight, covering issues that matter to you in your community. If you have a suggestion for a future program, just call 800-330-9648. That's 800-330-9648. Be sure to join us next week for another Community Spotlight with Braxton on The Light FM.